This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at stdave.org. After listening to our Old Testament passage, I think we should institute a new greeting at St. David's. And when we see one another, we should say, may a multitude of camels cover you. <laughs> what a strange sentence. <laughs> That has nothing to do with Muhammad. It just came to mind a second ago. I just thought that was very curious. May a multitude of camels cover you. I'm not sure that's good news, if that happens. <laughs> Today, as you all know, is the Feast of the Epiphany. It marks the end of this beautiful, lovely, sweet, melancholy, mystical, and dare I even say, romantic journey from Advent through the 12 days of Christmas to tonight. And over that time, we have heard this compelling story. We have heard John the Baptist inviting us to prepare our hearts and be ready. We've gone backwards to the announcement to John the Baptist's mother and to Mary about these miraculous births, one that was not possible and one that shouldn't happen. We've heard the story of Joseph listening and hearing this message and internalizing that and clearly agreeing to go along. We've heard this magnificent declaration from Mary about how she will say yes to the mighty work of God in the world. And we have traveled with Mary and Joseph as they moved to Bethlehem and they couldn't find a place to stay. And so we've entered into a cozy, beautiful little pastoral scene where she has this baby. We've been with the shepherds out on the hillside as the angels came and told them what has is, what is just taken place and that they should run and see. We've run with them to Bethlehem and into that manger scene. And tonight we've traveled a long way with these wise men from the east who have seen the star of the king of the Jews and have come to see. And we've come into this and it feels almost like our crush depicts it. If you look at our crush closely, it, 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 it's as if all of this converged in this one beautiful, clear night. The weather was just right. Everybody is appropriately, I don't know, what, two days after she gave birth? Because she looks really good in this. <laughs> it, looks as if, it looks as if she has just finished nursing Jesus and is still bringing her robe up over her shoulder when everyone comes and kneels and bows as if they're all there at the same time, giving gifts, praising God, this miraculous, beautiful, lovely, melancholy, mystical, romantic story. And yet we all know, I mean, you all know, you've studied this story, you've been hearing it your whole lives, you know what the actual world was going on, what was going on in the actual world while this was happening. You know about the Roman oppressors who are pushing down the Hebrew people in the midst of this messianic age when all of this prophetic work was being done, talking about how God is going to come and deliver the Hebrew people. You know the challenges that John the Baptist had when he was trying to get people to listen to his message and to repent and return to the Lord. You know what the cultural expectations were of a young unmarried woman and yet somehow she's going to bear this child. You can imagine what it must have been like for her to embody this, to listen to this, to receive this. 
You can imagine what it was like for Elizabeth to embody her news as well. You can imagine what it was like for Joseph to accept it as true. You can imagine the family pressure that must have been placed on all of these people with this extraordinary story that they were telling. We all know how difficult it would have been for a pregnant woman and her, her betrothed to travel all the way to a new town and now all the chaos of this, of this census that was required, all the chaos of trying to find a safe place to be up to the moment of birth. You can imagine that. You can imagine ending up having to deliver your baby in a barn full of animals. Were there people helping her? Were there others? We can imagine this message, it comes to shepherds. These are children. These are boys and girls watching sheep on the side of the hill. They're the ones that get the message. And we can imagine something simultaneously happening in Egypt. And these people were probably political envoys who were coming to the Roman Empire to talk to them about the birth of the next king and all the political intrigue that took place. We can imagine the tension and the anger and the fear as Herod prepares to slaughter the innocent to keep this from happening. And in fact, does. This is the context in which all of this is taking place. So simultaneously, we're hearing this story from two different perspectives. We're hearing the story of sort of the, the real-life, day-to-day version of what all these people must have gone through as this came to them. And simultaneously, we are listening to this beautiful, lovely, melancholy, mystical, romantic version of the story. Now, the modern world would ask us to choose which of these stories is true. They can't both be true. But I would suggest to you as good Anglicans, but also as spiritual people, we know that both of these stories can be true simultaneously. Because we know this is actually how the divine works in the world. And we all know very well what the day-to-day, quote-unquote, real-life world is like outside. I mean, this day that we have historically called the Feast of the Epiphany, the end of the beautiful, romantic, mystical story that we're telling, is also the anniversary of an insurrection in our own country. Political intrigue. Political attempt to topple the government. That's pretty real life. We know the last six weeks while we've had this, this beautiful storytelling going on, you've lived your real life. You've lived your real life at work and whatever the complexities of that of your life that are there. You've had to navigate some complicated family dynamic over the last several weeks. You've had to figure out how to deal with the diagnosis that you just got a week ago from the doctor. All the real life stuff. All the things that we all know are true. And the, the world outside would tell us that that's that sort of experiential flatland is what's most true and most real. And if that were true, well then why are you here? Why are you even in this church tonight? 
if that's all that's true. And so you are here. So we know there's more. But I guess we run the same risk if we just plunge into the romantic, mystical version of this story. And I'm just going to shut out all the noise of the world outside of this church, and it's easy to do, as beautiful as this is, and the candles and the lights are just right, magnificent music from the choir. You just shut it all out. Pretend like none of that's real or true. And we'll just accept this, the romantic version of the story. We'll go over and kneel at the crash. We'll pretend it all happened at once. We can pretend that the baby never cried and the barn didn't smell. And there was nothing sad or scary. We can pretend that. But that's not faith at all. That's make-believe. So where's the life of faith I would suggest to you what we all already know, that the life of faith is not between. The life of faith is all-inclusive of that. The life of faith wraps its arms around both versions of this story because they're both telling us something deeply true. The real-life world that we are all living and that we are all expected to engage and encounter. In fact, our faith demands that we engage and encounter it. And yet this deep truth of the way the divine works, this mystical ancient story tells us that in the midst of all of those dilemmas, God is moving. God is working. God was moving through the life of Mary and Joseph and all of it during the Roman Empire. God is moving through the lives of children on a hillside and foreign diplomats and God is somehow moving and bringing all of this together in some way that brings Emmanuel that brings God with us God here with us right now it's an invitation to commit this year to living both lives simultaneously Living 2024 with our eyes wide open about what's going on in the world around us and with our spiritual ears tuned to the narrative, to the beautiful, lovely, mystical, and even romantic work of the holy among us. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at stdave.org and click on the podcast button.